Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information. Welcome to The Wave Podcast. I am Danny Ortiz, and I am just excited today, man. My, my spirit is leaping. My spirit, my heart is leaping. I'm, I have such joy. I have such the kingdom of God just blowing up inside of me. What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost status, the kingdom of God. And I'm excited for the book of Revelation. I'm excited that you are joining us every single week. Um, and my encouragement, I know Ryan's on, you know Ryan's on, but my encouragement to everyone, if you hear nothing, man, and every time I say this, my heart gets tender because I believe it's just this tender heart of the father right now for his bride is to have intimacy with his bride. And so my heart for you, if you don't hear anything that we say, if you don't have time to finish the podcast, that's okay. Just spend time in the presence of God. Spend time in worship. Spend time in his word. Do what Jesus taught us in his prayer in Matthew 6, right? What he said, um, our father, recognize him as your dad that wants to spend time with you. Hallowed be your name. Holy, holy worship, right, is the gateway to his throne, right? Uh, I was put up this week in the, at our wave um, Facebook and Instagram, the scripture that went up this week is righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Like if we want to know what he thinks about his throne, we want to enter in Hebrews told us we can boldly come into the throne of God, come and take a rest in his presence and enter into righteousness, enter into justice, see from his perspective. And so that's, that's our prayer, man. So Ryan, man, welcome again, man. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the deep dive with me in the book of Revelation um, how are you, my friend? Danny, I'm well. How are you doing? Man, I am so excited, uh, so elated for us to do this. I've gotten some great feedback this week about the book of Revelation. Uh, someone told me, I, I, I just couldn't, didn't know there was so much in the book of Revelation. And I, it was always a boogie book to me. And so I was able to see and I'm able to see Jesus. And that's probably the best comment that we can get is that people are able to see Jesus um, not even just hear what we say, but see the revelation and the unveiling and the unfolding of our beautiful Savior, uh, uh, the firstborn of, amongst many brethren. Our great example, Yeshua, and his triumphant, uh, his triumphant victory, right? Because the book of Revelation, as you read it, it just shows you how great and victorious our Jesus really is, right? Yeah, amen. Yeah, you, you're so right, Danny, especially as um, we, we move through the book of Revelation and um, I just definitely encourage people to keep going after after we finish these first three chapters. Uh, it just, I guess, like you said, don't be don't be scared of this book. This book is a revelation of Jesus, and really, it's it's showing kind of this culmination of our our faith, what we believe in, our you know, um, our Lord and and His second coming, and oh, the the book is just rich. It's it's funny when I. When I first gave my my life to the Lord, the first full book I read was actually Revelation. I think that's probably not what I don't, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. Um, I, again, it doesn't really matter where you start, but I was I was intrigued by it. I remember hearing a sermon about. It. I was like, you know, I was like, that sounds like why not? Why not read that? And and at that at that point, that was like, oh, almost eight years ago. I really was like had no idea what I was reading because I was first just I was like whoa and 
you know, it's it's so refreshing to be able to go back and read it again and again and say, okay, you know, you're looking for specifics. Like I, I always love the where is Jesus in the scriptures? No matter where you're reading, that's my Come favorite, on. favorite to do. Am, Amber and I talk about it all the time though. We're like, he he is there from verse one all the way to the end. All Come the on, way man. to the end. And yeah, it's, and it's it is Christocentric, right? The whole Bible is the whole book is about. Uh, our wonderful savior and you said something there that was that there's so much hope in christianity there's so much hope mm. in loving christ because the hope is that and i know we don't talk about it a lot there is a second coming jesus told us that he's coming back that is the tenet of our faith now um people take it and we won't get into the pre and the mid yep. and the post trip and none of that <laughs> yeah. we just know that he's coming back whenever he's coming back we know that our righteous king is coming. We know in the, in the end of the book in Revelation 21 that he's coming with a sword in his mouth. He's coming to restore the earth back to proper dominion and proper back to his proper lordship. And we know that the, the word declares to us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the hope, there is hope in the believer's life, right? And so no matter how much darkness, I love Isaiah, we covered it, uh, you and I, extensively, Isaiah 60, right? No matter how much darkness covers and deep darkness covers the people, the Lord will arise with his glory, right? And, and John 17 tells us what that glory is, oneness. The glory is oneness, right? And he's coming to make everything. I love the way um, Ephesians 1.10 puts it, that this is the kingdom of God. Everything will be under the feet of Jesus, he will rule the earth. And that's, there's a hope in that, man. This, yep. we, we win. I always say this, right? In the end of the book, we win, right? <laughs> no matter who you are, no matter if you, and I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say this anyway. <laughs> for those who are Jews, you still win. For those who are part of Ishmael and the tribe of the Palestinians, you, you win. Christians, you win. Why? Because Jesus will rule everyone, Right? And every eye will see that day. Every eye will be. And so the Christians have an oath that we win. You know what I mean? And so I'm excited about that. Yeah. And you said something very powerful, I think. And, and I just thought about this. We're, we're always wanting to discuss or even sometimes argue when is he coming? And is it pre-trib? Is it post-trib? Is it mid-trib? And you touched on the most important thing. He is coming. <laughs> I mean, like we, like uh, you and I talk about all the time, Zechariah 14, like there will be a time when you said to me, Ryan, we're going to be going, we're going Come to on. Jerusalem and we're going to like see him and we're going to hang out with him. And that brings so much joy and happiness where even when you have a, a bad day, even when stuff's not going well, you're like, you know what? There, there is that hope. He is coming. Yes. We, we know yeah. like, like the, this is like the only time I think in life where, you know, actually what is going to happen. I think there's so many uncertainties, but here's one thing we do know he's coming. He's going to reign. He's in charge. We're going to see him. Yeah. Come on. And I love, uh, again, and that's what I'm saying this to encourage people to read four to right? because people, we're going to start with chapter three, but you know, because four to 22 there's so much in it but when it says uh i think it's chapter 20 or 21 when he says and the world will be the world will see him and he will light the whole world himself like he will be the light of the world 
Like literally, he would be what we see as light. And, and to me, that's a great anticipation. Um, I hope I hope you feel hope this morning. Because <laughs> I feel Amen. hope stirring. I, 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 the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I feel hope stirring, right? Um, yeah. And 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 I hope in, in, and everyone that's listening right now that you just take a second and just breathe and just say, "Man, God is in control. He's got mm. this, man." Yep. Right? It's like settle down in your heart. Like you may be going through financial issues right now. I want you to settle in your spirit. He's in control. You may be going through doubt and unbelief because the enemy hits us in doubt and unbelief because of the trials of our of our faith and the trials that we go through in life. Settle your spirit. Says. Man, he's coming to rule and reign, right? Your, your kid may be hating you right now. You may be arguing with your child and your child wants a different thing and you just feel like your world's crumbling. Take a deep breath and know the hope of glory. Mm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm gonna say that Christ in you, the hope of glory is coming, right? And he will reign and rule and everything will be perfect. Everything will be perfect and everything will be perfected. So whatever you're going through, I don't know who I'm talking to prophetically, but whoever I'm talking to, you know what I mean? I, I know it seems like the way the, the world is on you. I want you to do what Jesus said, cast your cares upon me, right? Like, let's just throw it on him and say, Lord, um, this is you. You know, I lost my job yesterday, but I'm going to hand it over to you because I know you still reign. That does not move you from your throne. That does not move you from your your kingship and your reigning right now, right? That does not move you. And so I want you to find hope that he's coming. I want you to find hope that he, you said it, that he is, that he is reigning right now, that he is still king. That is, he's not going to become king. He is king. Mm. I'm going to say it again. He is king right now. My goodness. Woo. So good. Let's so jump good. into Revelations 1-4. Yeah. We left, we left in four. We did. So many questions I have for you as a scholar, Ryan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know man. You, I know, you and, I've been, I know you, you and I have been drawing it up in this thing, man. And, and, and so everyone get to Revelations 1-4. Listen to what it says here. And I'm going to really take my time with this. And I'm going to let you guys know. I don't know how far we're going to get into this. But like <laughs> Ryan and I said at the beginning of this, we're going to go as far as the Holy Spirit let us go. So listen to this. John. Now, there is stuff, stuff that we didn't talk about John that I think we'll talk about in the next time because I think John is going to explain a little bit about why he's here, mm -hmm. I think, in our next week's conversation of John. So I want you to highlight John, and we're going to talk about John. This is John the Beloved, the disciple of Jesus, but we're going to find out why he's the one that's chosen, but we'll talk about that next week. I want to hit the seven churches, which are in Asia. When we talk about Asia Minor at the time, Asia Minor, I don't know if some of you guys have it in your Bible. You can go to the back of their Bible. There's a whole bunch of maps. And look on, you know, usually there's got the maps of uh, Asia Minor, which is the modern-day Turkey. And he's talking to seven churches. So, several things I want to talk about here, Ryan. Why seven? Right? Because seven, yep. we see seven a lot in the next couple of verses. We see seven. So for those who don't understand, the word, the number seven is used 735 times in, oh. in, in the Bible. Now, understand, I'm not this great theologian. No, <laughs> I just go and study that thing out, right? And so yep. there are there are programs that will show you this, right? So in the book of Revelation, the number seven is mentioned 54 times. Now, 
uh, before I go to the number seven, I'll, why seven churches, Ryan? Because there are more churches in Asia Minor than these seven, right? So what, like we know Colossians, you know, Colossus is there, right? We know Galatia, the Galatian, Galatian church is there also. There are other churches other than the seven churches in Asia Minor that we're gonna go into, but why Sardis? Why Philadelphia? Why Ephesus? You know, I, mean? I feel like I have an understanding a little bit on it, but I wanna hear your thought on that. Did you think about that at all, Ryan? Did you, when you look at that, you saw that. Why highlight these seven churches and not go into, like, because the Galatians, the book of Galatians that Paul writes is a, an incredible book, right? Teaches us so much. The book of Colossians is a great book, right? Why only these seven churches? So just diving into a little bit of my, my study and some of the historics um, of it. So I know you said you're going to touch on John um, a bit next week, but he was kind of the overseer of what I gather. He was the overseer of these seven churches. So when yes. Jesus when Jesus came to him, it's like, hey, these are the seven that I put in your hand, John. And here is what you absolutely need to say to them. There were some very, and I don't want to dive too deep into the individual aspects, but there were some important components to these specific churches. Um in terms of like, I'll use the example of the one in Ephesus. That was a major, a major area of evangelism early on. So I think there were specific components about each of these churches that were important that Jesus had to bring up. And some of them, as we dive into it, some of their worship practices are in comparison to the worship that was done way back by Jezebel and way back by Balaam and just certain things that Jesus was like, John, you need to tell them this because they're in your hands. That's kind of what, and the yes, number seven you, significant, you, obviously. You, you're answering it right there. You are answering it. Uh, seven, the number seven, it's the definition is completeness or perfection, right? But the, mm -hmm. the real connotation a lot of times in scripture is used as the, here is used as a complete. So mm -hmm. you hit it right on the head. I believe to what you're saying that because John was in charge of these seven churches, John had the insight of the complete view of the church in Asia Minor. There are other churches that God could have touched to John about, but these seven specifically, I believe God chose because mm -hmm. they gave the complete overview of, it's like if, if you look at the American church, God using seven churches in America that one is from New York, the other one is from California, one is from Texas, one is from Florida, uh, one is from Oklahoma, one is from Columbus, Ohio. And he looks at the overview map of America and he says to the churches of America, though he picks seven of them, he wants the world to see the complete picture of the health of the church. He's yeah. showing us this complete overview of the health of the church. Like, because that's the way he teaches in the scriptures, right? The Bible mm -hmm. is, is split up into seven categories, right? It, number one, the law. 
Number two, the minor and major prophets. Number three, the Psalms or the writings, right? The Songs of Solomon, right? Mm -hmm. The fourth, uh, the Gospels and the Acts, right? Number five was the general epistles. Number six, the Pauline epistles. And number seven, completion is revelation. So that's yep. how we see the whole view of the Bible. We see it in these seven pieces. I believe that what God was doing, and you're going to see it throughout here as he continues to talk to us, that he's shown us this seven. I want to show you a complete version of the way I see things. I don't see things in part. I see the whole of it. Yeah, I could have chose Ephesus. Uh, I mean, Colossians instead of Ephesus or Galatia. But I don't believe God, what God is telling us is, I don't believe I can show you the whole overview because I'm going to show you from the greatest to the worst and mm -hmm. all of it in between looks yep. like the church to your point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, like you were saying, if we look at these seven, we could probably see every church that there is now and that there ever really was, because as you study the different churches, they all slightly have something that they're being corrected about, but they also are doing some good things. And, and you notice there is a lot of um, commonality between the good things that these churches are doing, which I think if we look at the big picture of the church, yes, there are a lot of good things that churches do, but then we have to say, okay, Lord, are we ready to be rebuked if Come need on. be? Come on. I mean, and I think Come that's on. the tough thing because I think as the church at times, we can look at it and say, we're just doing everything right. But I think we have to definitely come with humility and realize individual believers, churches, like as a whole, we're not perfect. We don't do everything right. And if we can have an open heart to say, Lord, like rebuke us where we are falling short. And I think that's what Jesus was saying to John John, you need to say this to these churches. And when we're going to talk about this, but John being the leader, he has to step up and say, hey, this is what's going on. And he tells the church leadership, hey, this is what's happening. I got this from the Lord and we need to fix this. <laughs> and I think part of it, not only is to your point, it's not only revelation to John, but John has a firsthand experience. John knows his issues. Right. Mm -hmm. John knows it. I think what God gives him through the revelation of Jesus is he's given him not only the issue, but the remedy, like you saying. And there are five things that I believe we're going to see when we look at the churches. And I hope you guys write this down. These are the five things that and I don't know how many times you're going to mention this, but I believe as we look at the seven churches, number one, we're going to see Jesus revealing himself and his nature. We're going to see Jesus, how he reveals himself to his church and his nature. Number two, we're going to see his affirmation to the church. He always affirms the church before he rebukes the church, right? So number mm -hmm. one, we're going to see his nature. Number one, number two, we're going to see his affirmation. Number three, we're going to see his rebuke, right? Number number four, we're going because he rebukes most of them, not all of them. There's two of them that he does not rebuke, and we're going to find out why he does not rebuke them. Number four is he always requires a response, right? After the rebuke, this Jesus requires a response for us. And number five, we're going to see Jesus' rewards. And again, like we said uh, last week, his rewards is not a salvation reward. The heavenly rewards, I believe, is, is to the new heavens and the new earth as we mm -hmm. come and rule and reign with God. There is going to be some rewards for those who lived in obedience to him. So I believe mm -hmm. those 
five things that we're going to see as we dive into all the churches. Now, I want to take us a little further. John, we're going to talk about him last week. So we talked about the seven churches, the complete picture of the church. Then he says this. I love the greeting because here, if you understand the book of Revelation and who he's writing to, he says, grace and peace. Grace and I want to stop right there. Grace and peace. One is a Gregorio Greek greeting, and the other one is a Hebrew uh, uh, greeting, right? We know that shalom, you know, in Hebrew, when you when you go to Israel with us, you'll yep. see that people say shalom, peace, right? And they say uh, shalom, Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, shalom, means Jerusalem means double peace, right? It's just peace over you. And I love that in, in the New Testament, the greetings is grace be unto you, right? Grace. Yep. Grace, because his grace is sufficient, right? His, his not only his abundant favor, but his empowerment for you to do, right? And yep. I want to jump into this real quick. I, I want first to hear your thoughts. And I have some scriptures because I believe I want to just see the, the picture that God is, because he starts out with this way. He starts out with this powerful greeting. Now, understand this. Peace is where we want to go to. But you can't go to peace unless you go through the window or through the gateway of grace. Mm, yeah. I believe he starts out with grace first because he says you have to go grace. And I'm going to show you grace and peace are, are both a person. I'm going to say that again. I know that sounds weird. Grace is a person. Peace is a person. But it's it's a growing within the knowledge of that person, right, which is Yeshua. And But he says you can't get to peace unless you get through the window in the New Testament. You can't have full peace unless you go through the doors of grace. No, that's that's so good. I was just thinking that by him saying this, the 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 listeners, right? The listeners had to understand this concept because it's almost too foreign by him just saying it as a like it's really easy to breeze over it. And to be honest yeah. with you, as I'm reading, I may have, I actually breezed over it too quick. And then when you were saying it and it stopped me, it's like the Lord's grace for us that we, we know that we can't do it on our own. If we, we have to first understand that, that we are under grace and then that's what brings us the peace Come on, man. that we can Come move on. forward. And I think you're probably going to expound on it. But I, if we don't understand this, and, and you and I have talked about this, this is identity, right? Yes. This, is the, this, is, this is identity. Like, if J John, by saying this, he has to be talking to mature believers. Because if he just says it whimsically, per se, right? it's going to get like, it's, it's, you're going to fly over it. You're yeah. not going to actually really look and say, Oh, I am under grace. So I do have peace in this life. And I'll let you expound. No, you're a hundred percent correct. Because what he's doing is telling you, and you hit it on the head. What he's telling us is like, and I feel, I don't know why I get emotional talking about this, but it's like, no matter what I tell you, it's going to be on the foundation of grace and peace. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter how hard the rebuke is, know that you're living under grace. Know that, and like, and, and the, 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 this, this part of the body, and I don't know if you faced this or not, Ryan, this part of the body that we take grace in two extreme versions, right? 
One extreme version <laughs> is, oh, it, it tells you to do whatever you want to do. Well, I'm going to show you a script that that's not what it is, right? <laughs> the other extreme version, well, I'm not going to mention it because it's going to give people a license. I don't want it to give a license, right? And it's, there's right. so many believers that are so afraid of talking about the grace of God, right? Because it's, mis, it's being misused. or be, We know that Paul tells us, don't, that, did I tell you you can do whatever you want to? Did I tell you to trample upon grace? Absolutely not. Paul says, oh, you can't trample upon the grace. But because he says that, we then take the license to go, why do we want to talk about it? And we are afraid of saying what it really, that it is favor from the Lord, that is unmerited, that is given to us. Yes, it's an empowerment for us to do. And I'm going to show you what that grace empowers us to accomplish the truth of God, right? Because that's who Jesus was, right? It, 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 is, it, is, it's the, it is the window to understanding salvation. I can't understand salvation without grace. And for those who listen to it, if you're a preacher and, and minister to the gospel, don't buy into the lie of Satan that says, well, if I teach grace, it's going to give a license to people to sin. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Grace is given to us by God. It is the only window that we can operate as believers is the only hope. Grace is hope. Without grace, we won't have hope. And I think, and something just, I was talking to a friend about this, and it always keeps, seems to come up when we when we talk about Proverbs, but I think it it may land right here. There's There's been this hyper grace message yes. uh, that, that has hit really since I gave my life to the Lord. Like that's all I kind of heard from a lot of places, but this just struck me as we were talking without having the fear of the Lord, you, you, you can't understand grace. Absolutely. Like, right. You can't like grace. You know that, you know, the Lord has you, but if you don't have that reverence towards him, if you don't have that fear of the Lord that Jesus delighted in Isaiah 11, three, every, any, everyone definitely read Isaiah 11, one through three. And you're going to say, Wow, Jesus's delight was in the fear of the Lord. That's right. That means, and and I got this from the Lord while I was washing dishes. We talked about Brother Lawrence. You find the Lord through the, around the pots and pans, right? <laughs> the, the, no, but the yeah, the Lord brought that up, and to me, and He said, and I I have I want to phrase it right that I only did. What my father told me to do, and I only said what my father told me to say, that truly is the fear of the Lord, because I I love him, and I obey what he instructed me to do. And, and that, it, I got that shoot. one night. I was like, whoa! I was like, whoa! That's that's deep, but true. That that's so powerful. I mean, it is. It's the beginning of everything, the fear of the Lord, and we talked about that in in, the, <clears throat> uh, in a couple of podcasts ago. Uh, yep. And I, I love that understanding grace is through that measure, because look at what grace is a person. John 1, 14, and I read it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, meaning grace is given, but it's grace and truth to what you're saying. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? Without it, I can't see grace in its full potential, right? It's grace married with truth, and it's grace the empowerment to uphold the truth, which meaning I'm empowered to obey. 
right? I'm empowered to obey. I, he's giving me power. Now we know that grace is sufficient. Number one, grace is a person. Number two, grace is sufficient. Second Corinthians 12, eight through nine. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Now this is when Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He asked the Lord, take this out of me. I'm, I'm going through my flesh situation. I have this flesh issue. But the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you and my power, again, remember, grace and truth, the empowerment. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Knowing he knows your limited potential. He knows your limited flesh. But if your eyes are on him, he will empower you. If you recognize Grace is this, I recognize that I can't do it on my own. And I have to rest assured that he can empower me to do it. Doesn't mean that he keeps me away from it. Paul was not like, Paul wanted to not face the challenge. And God's like, no, I'm, I gave you the challenge. <laughs> and he's like, yep. well, what am I gonna do with this challenge? I'm gonna empower you through this challenge. I got mm -hmm. your back, right? Yep. And so grace, Number one is a person, grace is sufficient. Number three, grace empowers. If you hear nothing about grace, listen to this, grace empowers. Look at, look at Titus 2, 11. Titus 2, 11. Look how powerful it is. I didn't write this down. Titus <laughs> explains grace to us. Titus 2, 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared. Mm -hmm. For what? What, Titus? Why is the grace of God? bringing salvation for all people and then what training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions oh. and to live self-control and upright for those who oh. have the, the hypersensitive grace no that's not what grace is for it's not a license to do whatever you want to no it is the training after the Holy Ghost in this, man. Grace is training you to what? To renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God. So I love that he says, I'm empowering you. I'm keeping you strong, but you still have the hope of Yeshua coming because the final deliverance which is what Paul was dealing with, I'm dealing with an issue that I'm only going to get uh, a little ease from. My, my final deliverance, our final deliverance of sin, our final deliverance of all this thing, this, this, this uh, selfish, idolatrous, ungodly nature is going to be when Jesus comes in Zechariah 14. That's going to be our final victory, right? Yeah. So what he's saying, my grace is sufficient. I'm going to give you the grace. I'm going to empower. But grace is at work at you. It's not just something that you come just and rest on. It is working within you and for you and empower you to overcome. And I want those to understand grace and truth, meaning Jesus as a person comes with the grace, the ability to receive the love of the Father, and then to walk out in obedience with the Father's telling us, even if we don't know how to. No, Danny, that that's so good, because I think what you just said is the world, the world has its way of trying to to get at us. And as grace is working within us, we can maintain this walk 
as as in Hebrews 12, keeping our eyes unto Jesus. Come on. As as we're running this race, because there's I, I just I flipped to first John. Uh let's see. First John, I think it's in chapter two. Yeah, I was looking at just the the three lusts, right? Come on. L- you know, um, let me see. So lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Those are, I mean, those are the three things. If you dissect any, any sin, that's what they're, they're set. That sin is stemming out of one of the three. And I think like you're talking about in Titus, we need to have this grace work in us and continue to work in us 24 seven as we're going about, because these things are going to try to come at us throughout our day, even when we sleep uh, yeah. and we're not going to get into dreams. We'd need to bring in a couple of people because I have some friends that dream, you know, Anna, I think she would be, yeah, she would, she could be able to attest to some of that. But I mean, it comes, it comes at us at all, at all times. And we need this grace. We need it to work in us. Yeah. Like you were saying. And, with, and without it, we can't know salvation. He says, yes. he tells you, Titus, it's bringing salvation. It brings you, and you can't be one with God. You're not saved because of your works. You save only because of what Jesus did. It's what Hebrews 4 tells us, right? Yep. Only in the finished work of what Jesus did. What did the finished work of Jesus did? He allowed grace to empower us to continue to walk in oneness. Because remember, that's the full glory. And that's the aim for all of us is to be one with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now that leads us into peace. Peace is also a person. Remember I tell you, grace is a person. Jesus came and grace is, look what Isaiah 9, 6 says. Uh, For to us a child is born, is the prophetic word of Jesus. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the what? The Prince of Peace. That's who Jesus is. That's the rest that he wants you to walk in through the, through the gateway of grace. When you walk in through the grace, you walk into relationship with the Prince of Peace and the Prince of Peace begins to start governing your heart and you see everything through his point of view. Look at what Jesus then tells us about his peace in John. So peace is a person, but then peace is given to us, right? What John 14, 27, and we did a whole show on this when the whole pandemic started, when the whole uh, so, uh, uh, racial unrest. I yep. love John 14, 27. This is what Jesus oh. Yeshua says. Peace I leave with you and my peace. Not only do I leave peace with you, I'm giving you my type of peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, Right? And knowing that Jesus is not only the principal, so you come and rest in him and assurance of who he is, but he's also giving you what's in him. He's like, listen, I have the peace. I'm going to overcome trouble in the world. I'm telling you not to worry about trouble in the world. I've come to give you my peace so that when trouble comes, you know, I'm the overcomer. I've already overcame. And then last thing, so number one, a peace is Jesus and a person. Number two, Jesus gives it. And then number three, peace empowers us. What do I mean by that? Look at Galatians 5.22. What do I mean by peace empowers? It is the Holy Spirit generated within us. 
But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Listen, this is empowerment. The Holy Spirit, when he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will empower you to be that martos, that witness to the world. What are we witnessing? How are we witnessing? Meaning that the fruit of the spirit is empowering you, right? To show in times of trouble when the world goes, man, why? I, I see this on operation. I don't know, Ryan, if you see this operation. I see this. I've done a lot of funerals. As a pastor, you do funerals. And one of the amazing things about, I've done funerals of saved people and I've done funerals of unsaved people. And we see the spirit of peace empowering people throughout death. There is, there is a hope and a peace that comes with somebody that loses somebody in Jesus. Yeah, There's such an anxiety and unrest for someone that doesn't know Jesus and has lost a lost one and, and lost a loved one. And I've seen this, literally seen the power of peace throughout someone losing a loved one, right? A mother goes up there and talks about a child, right? I've seen that happen, literally did a, did a funeral of, 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 a, of a woman that lost a husband and three, three months later lost a son. And to see her be able to speak the only way that could have happened is because the peace of God was empowering her, right? When the world goes, man, your world is gone. The Holy Spirit came and empowered her with peace so that she can be able to utter words. So I've seen the power of peace come upon people. When the In the world's eyes, it should be like, yo, you should be destroyed. But that peace that surpasses all understanding, God's people's heart and mind, because it's empowering us to walk through this thing daily. Yeah, Danny, and and. I think Galatians 5.22, it's just such a great picture of how we have the ability to operate because we're filled with the Spirit. We have, that, we have that ability that the Spirit can flow through us and bring, like you said, peace where it doesn't seem like it's possible to have peace. Trust where... It doesn't seem like most people could have trust. We just, we, we have it. The, the spirit kind of wells up within us and, and gives us that ability that in our brains, logically, we, fe we, we feel like we would crumble at a certain moment. But there's the peace that comes in that passes all understanding that, on, we, can't, that we can't get. But it's like, wow, I, I'm okay. I have peace on this i should be really terrified but i i'm not you know what i mean man there's there's so much going and i i don't know i'm trying to fi figure out in the holy spirit should we go further or should we stop right here because there's so much to get into in, in just the greeting itself right there's a greeting yep. that he gives and and i believe we hear from the godhead in the greeting and i'm i'm, I'm just i just feel like this right I, we can go further, but I'm going to stop right. We're going to stop right here. And I think that, yeah, I think it's good. Cause I mean, when you get to verse six about being Kings and priests being King oh priests, I mean, I have, I have stuff about Melchizedek that Wait. that would take a whole, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I mean, so we're going to leave that to, for next week because I think uh, from him who is and who was, and is to come and from the seven spirits, like like spirits, like even from the seven spirits, what does it mean? It's like we can go into that. We're gonna go into that next week. Let's just let's just settle on this. Let's settle on this this morning. I feel the Holy Spirit just this. Mm -hmm. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. 
Mm. Those who are struggling in their walk with God. If you're struggling, you're walking right up. We're praying for you. Ryan and I right now are praying for you. If you can't seem to overcome sim- the sinful nature, the, un- the, 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 the the ungodliness that's inside of us, that wrestling between what Galatians 5 talks about, the spirit and, and the flesh, they are an enmity with one another, that war. If you can't seem to overcome something this morning, I'm telling you, his grace is sufficient for you. I'm telling you that, He's not rejecting you because of the sin. And, I, and that this is where we get messed up with the hyper grace, right? And we, and we mess up with the religion of it, right? And it's not, he is not saying you're not mine, right? This is not a mm-hmm. salvation issue. This is an effectiveness issue. And we're going to learn this a lot about the book of Revelation, that we are not going to mix words. We're not saying that you're not saved because you struggle with sin. Every single... Look at 1 John 1.8. And I'm, I'm going to read this. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to read. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who. First John. And I didn't write this down, so don't get mad at me. So it says, <laughs> if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm going to say that again. I didn't write this. I, man, go to verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, Son, cleanses us from all sins. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us. Not only forgive our sins, because a lot of times we see this, our sins are forgiven, but the cleansing of us is the walking it out. I'm gonna say that again, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means that it's forgiven for what was done on the cross. But sometimes we, we receive the forgiveness, but we haven't walked out the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Meaning that he's cleansing you. He knows like Paul was struggling in his flesh. He knows there's going to be struggles. But let that blood cleanse you. Let that thing work within you. Let that grace work within you and saying, I don't have to stay here. I don't have to stay bound by alcoholism. I don't have to stay bound by uh, being a gossiper. I don't have to stay bound uh, by lust and fornication and idolatry. I don't have to stay there. I'm forgiving of it because the blood of Jesus and what was done on the cross is, is yes and amen. But God wants to set us free from the residue of, of that, right? And I think a lot of times people are, they know they're forgiven, but they still have that residue, Ryan, and they wrestle with the residue of the one thing that they struggle with. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, 100%. And um, I've talked talked with many people, you know, that that tell me tell me various things uh, that they may be battling with. And I, I felt this as you were as you were talking. There's a couple practical things I think that th- that they can do or that any of us can do. I've heard this said, and I, I think it's it's very powerful. Open the scripture and read it until the Lord you hear the Lord. And I'm not talking about the boom. You may get the booming voice, but it might be one of those where you're reading, reading, and then this verse just hits you and grabs you so quick. And you're like, that's the Lord. I got to stay there. And then that will take you into that experience with the Lord that 
you were needing. That verse was for you. Um, I've, I've heard it said that it's very much like sewing. And I, I, this picture is one of my favorite pictures. When you sew, you go up and you go down and then you go up. So the down is into the word, read, 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 and then you get it. And then you take that back up and say, Lord, like, what is that? And then he probably tells you, and then you might go back down and keep reading. And then he might take you back up. And it was like, that was such a powerful picture when I heard that I go, wow, like that, that's it. That's prayer. That's experiencing the Lord. So that was just a practical that's that, so that powerful. I've done. That's so powerful. And, and, and with that, rest in the peace that God has your back. Like whoever's yep. listening to us, rest in the peace that God has your back. Why? Yep. Because Jesus already done what he done, right? Yep. He already said it was finished. He released his spirit on the earth and his spirit is living inside of you, right? Go ahead. You and, and you know, you know that uh, you and I talk a lot about rest. Heck, I have a shirt and I gave you a shirt with it on it. And the three words that I think are so powerful every day, it's Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me. Oh, come to, come to me. That that's what he's wanting when you're struggling. Come to me when you're doing well and something happened. That's great. Come to me. It, it's a 24 seven access. You talk about this all the time. We're King's kids. We can knock on his door at any time and say, Hey, I want to tell you something great that happens or Hey, you know, stuff. It's not going well. He's going to have the same demeanor anyway. He's going to have a smile. He's going to have his arms open for a hug towards you. And then he has the best advice <laughs> and the best nurturing nature. And sometimes he may correct, but in the most loving way that you could ever experience. This That's kind of what this, this is going to date me, Ryan. It was an old <laughs> song. It was an old song that used to say, I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat. Where Jesus is yep. right. And so I love that. We're going to end with, with what you just said, with, mm. with Jesus's words. Come unto me, come unto me, run into the mercy seat, run into his arms. And again, everything that we're reading on Revelation is going to point you to run into the arms of Jesus, man. So thank you for taking another time mm. out in, a, in another week uh, to spend time with us in a Bible study. I'm going to encourage those uh, to continue to give financially to the Wave Ministries. Go to thewavecolumbus.com. I don't do this often. I hate doing this, Ryan. Ryan, this is the part I hate doing, um, but I'm reminded <laughs> by our board to do it once in a while so that we can give opportunity for people to, to bless the wave. If you go to thewavecolumbus.com, um, there is uh, a secure, a website is secure. The way for you to give through PayPal is secure. You can give a one-time gift, a monthly gift, uh, and that just allows us to continue to do what we do. Um, but listen, I, I, I'm encouraged everyone, um, to, to leave those last words that you said, Ryan, come unto me. Ryan, thank you again, man. We'll do this. We'll do this next Always, week. Always, man. So good. Love you, buddy. All right. Yeah, love you too. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Wave Ministries. Visit thewavecolumbus.com for more information.